Well, we're in Psalm, Psalm 73. Brother David read the first 17 verses for us tonight, and I had him stop at verse 17 for a very specific reason, obviously, because it's the, it's the title of the message. Let's, let's look at verse 17 of, of Psalm 73 again. It says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. So until I went into the sanctuary of God, that word sanctuary really just points to God's presence. And we'll say, we'll say more about that as, as we go. But there, there are so many things in this life that would become so much more clear that we would see the end thereof, that we would understand more about if we would just get into His presence and into His sanctuary. And that's really the, the, the point of, of the entire message tonight. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, he says, then understood I their end. And really what I'd like to do is kind of just walk through this chapter tonight. Uh, maybe just do a, a little Bible study of this, of this very good Psalm 73. Uh, and the first thing I want you to notice is it says before the verse 1, it gives a kind of a subtitle there, a Psalm of Asaph. All right, so this is not a Psalm of David. Uh, this is a Psalm of Asaph. Um, so I, I want to start just by talking about who, who is Asaph just by way of, of introduction. Who is Asaph? So he was, a, he was actually a Levite and one of the three main men in charge of music, uh, appointed by David. First uh, Chronicles 6, 31 through 43 talks about that. Uh, we're not going to take a look at that right, right now for the sake of time, but he was appointed by David really as the music minister of, of the temple and eventually would become the, the chief minister of song uh, and other duties before the Ark of the Covenant and other worship, his sons and other descendants would, would go on to lead the music and worship for Solomon eventually in, in the temple as well. So that's just a general brief synopsis of who Asaph was. And just by way of, uh, of a, giving a little bit further understanding here, again, I said he was a Levite. Uh, the tribe of, of Levi were the priests. They, they were the ones that were in charge of the tabernacle in the wilderness and eventually the, the temple of God as it was established by, by Solomon. They were there um, with, with multiple duties every day. So um, we're going to highlight this later, but when he says in verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then, unders then understood I their end, we need to understand tonight that he was in the sanctuary of God physically a lot. Um, he worked there. Um, he worked in the church, so to speak. Um, so he was in the place of God, but he still says, until I entered into the sanctuary of God. So he was there physically, but he was not there spiritually. And that's where we need to get tonight. So secondly, uh, just, just a little bit more information about him. He actually wrote uh, 12 Psalms. He wrote Psalm 50, and then the next 11, starting with uh, Psalm 73 uh, through 83. So he wrote 12 of, of the Psalms, just a, just a little bit of information about him. So just a couple of things, two things that I'd really like you to, to consider about this 73rd Psalm as we kind of walk through it tonight. As we, as we read and consider this, this special chapter, I want you to keep in mind the subject of eternity. Keep in mind the subject of eternity. In other words, where, where is our focus this evening, as we sit here tonight and think about His Word, but where are we on a daily basis? Where, where are our eyes fixed as we, as we walk through our lives on a regular basis? 
Are they, again, I mentioned this this morning, are they fixed on the things that are just right in front of us, the temporal, or are they fixed on the eternal? On the things of this earth or the things of eternity? And then I want you to, I want you to consider a second thing as we look at these verses tonight. What, what comparisons are you making that are unwise? What comparisons are you making that are unwise? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 12 says this, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. You know, we're going to see here very quickly that, that Asaph struggled, even as, a, even as a leader in Israel, as a song leader in Israel. Um, right up there with, with King David, that, that he struggled in a big way because he was looking at people who, who were not godly. Who, he was looking at people who, you know, if we, we consider it in our day, weren't un, unsaved people. And he was comparing his life with their life. And seemingly, they were, they were prospered. They were taken care of. But he was looking at his own life, and it's, it's almost like he was saying, God, what's going on? Where, where's my blessing? What, what's, what's going on with me? Um, and, you know, we, we compare ourselves so often with other people, I think, without even realizing it. The way, that, the way that, you know, we're connected to social media, and we look on Facebook and all of these other things, and we very, very easily look at the life of somebody that, that you know, is posted on Facebook, and we begin to compare our lives to that, and, and we start to get down about it, and we start to get maybe even covetous about it, and why can't I have what they have, and and, and all of these things. So we, we need to be very careful, careful about comparisons that, that we make with, with our own life and the life of our family compared to others. So what comparisons are, are you making that, that may be unwise tonight, as Asaph did, as we're going to see here in just a moment? So, so there's really just three, three main points that I want to look at as we walk through this, this chapter tonight. And number one is this, Asaph's folly. Asaph's folly. Let's look again at verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as of our a clean heart. You know, God is so good to us. He is so, so very good to us. He is good beyond what we deserve. And it says, even to such as are of a clean heart. You know, when we're clean before the Lord, we, we are close to Him, as close as we can get. We are, we are a clean people when we get before Him every day and make sure that we are cleansed before Him and seek, seek forgiveness of our sins and seek um, confession of our sins, we are close to Him, even closer than, obviously, than when we're not. Truly, God is, a, is good to Israel. He is so good to us. And when we're clean, we're even closer to Him. Now, let's look at verse 2. But as for me, all right, so his, his thought shifts. He, he, he mentions this opening verse, truly, God is good. He's good to Israel. He's good to us even to such as are of a clean heart. But then he says, but as for me, it's a different direction he's going here. He says, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish. We'll come back to that phrase here in just a moment. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no bands, or in other words, that, that word bands means pain or distress in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. 
violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. In other words, they're blessed beyond measure. They have more than heart could wish. You know, isn't it amazing when we look at other people, how, how those types of thoughts just enter our mind? They, they have it all. They, just, they have so much more than, than anything that we have. They have it all. I wish we had what they had. And this is what he was seeing. Verse 8, they are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. So he's saying, Lord, look how, look how wicked they are. Verse 10, therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. So the first thing I want you to see here in just these first two verses that we read, he placed himself at sin's doorway. Asaph had placed himself at sin's doorway. You know, the very things that tempted him, the very things that tempted him the most were right in front of his face, and they were there because he allowed them to be there. How many times do we place ourselves in the position to sin? How many times do we place ourselves in a situation where we can look at other people and, and see how quote-unquote prosperous they are and how unprosperous we are, when in reality it's, it's the farthest thing from the truth? How often do we allow ourselves to be trapped by this type of thinking? You know, Asaph was envious of the foolish because he wanted what looked like was their prosperity. The temptation to sin had a grip on him and he was ready to give in to it because that's where his eyes were. He, his eyes were on sinners and on their lives. You know, how often are, are our eyes paying attention to people and things that we should not be paying attention to? So he placed himself at sin's doorway. The second thing here is that the appeal of sin became enticing and strong. This was the appeal of the world to Asaph. He saw nothing but the seemingly good that the wicked were getting and were prospering from. He was missing all the misery, all the emptiness that comes in the end of this lifestyle. He said, he said this, for, for I was envious at the foolish. Listen to what one commentator says about this. It is a pitiful thing that an heir of heaven should have to confess I was envious. But even worse still, that he should have to put it this way. I was envious at the foolish. Yet this acknowledgement is what many of us would have to own up to if we were completely honest. Asaph said, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, his eye was fixed too much and too long on that one thing. He saw their present, and, and, but he forgot their future. He saw their outward display and overlooked their soul's discomfort. So what, what is it, again, that you, are, that you are paying attention to tonight that, that doesn't seem that bad and looks so rewarding and fulfilling or entertaining? What are we paying attention to tonight? Here, here are some examples just, just that came to me off, really off the top of my head. Here are some examples. You know, that, that movie or, or TV series only has just a few bad words or a few scenes that are inappropriate. It's just a few, so I can, I can go ahead and watch it. You know, the music, that music that, that I'm tempted to listen to doesn't, doesn't talk or, about anything or sound very bad. Talking and spending time with, with that woman or man at work 
It, it, it won't be an issue, you know, sometimes when, when we meet for lunch or meet one-on-one about, about work. Using, using language that, that, is, that is borderline inappropriate, it's, it's fine as, as long as I don't just cross the line. I'm frustrated and really angry with someone on the inside, but I'm waiting for them to approach me to get it taken care of. Just some, just some examples here. Asaph, Asaph got so close to what was tempting him that if he just reached out a little bit, he would have grabbed it and he would have fallen. That's, that's why he says, my, slept, my steps had well nigh slipped. He, one more step and he would have slipped and fallen in a big way, in, in, a, in a huge way that would have affected a lot of people. You know, we get so close to sin and what's inappropriate oftentimes that the line between what we think is okay and what is not becomes very, very blurred and very large. And before we know it, we're stepping right over the line. Again, notice, notice what he says in verse 17, the theme verse here. He says again, then I understood their end. All right, He didn't see it. He didn't see the end of what he almost stepped into and slipped on. He didn't see the end because his focus was not where it should have been. All right, and then the third thing that I want you to see here is the Lord's commandments and ways became questioned. Verses 13 through 15, let me read those again to you. He says, Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Man, realize what he is saying there in that verse. He's saying that I'm, I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing my best to stay clean before Him. I, I work in, in the tabernacle of the Lord. I, I do these things on a regular basis. I'm in the sanctuary of God physically. And, and then he says, he says this phrase, that I, behold, these are, I'm sorry, verse 13, verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. I've done all this for nothing. I've done it in vain. How often do we feel like, man, I'm serving the Lord. I'm, I'm doing my best. But where, Lord, where are you at? Why, why am I not being blessed? Why am I not getting what I think I deserve? You know, do, we, do we say that very thing? Have I cleansed my heart in vain? Am I serving Him for naught? And washed my hands in innocency. Verse 14, for all the day long have I been plagued. All right, and chastened every morning. You know, I I I have to laugh about this a little bit because we we exaggerate our, our troubles and our problems so often. At least I do. You know, I, I when you know, like if I'm not feeling well, she see she's laughing at me right now. If I if I'm not feeling well and, and she wants to know what's wrong with me, man. Lay it, I lay it on thick. I lay it on thick, hope, hoping to get, get a little bit of service and a little bit of help more than I, more than I desire. And, and I'm kidding about that, but we, we, we over-exaggerate our, our woes so often. And I, I think that's what Asaph was doing. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. I, I mean, he, he, obviously he had some struggles. Um, obviously, the, you know, life isn't going to be perfect but I imagine that it wasn't that bad. Verse 15, if I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. And we'll come back to that here in just a moment. But, but Asaph basically said, why, why do I continually to try, try to keep myself clean before God when I can continue to be plagued and chastened or punished? You know, is, is your faith coming into question tonight because you are constantly in a battle with Satan? 
And if we, if we allow it, we will, we will be in a battle every moment of every day. But we can have victory in and through the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't have to be in a constant battle. Although we, we're going to be battled, there's going to be a battle between our flesh and our spirit. But we can have victory over that if we just give it over to Him, give it over to the Lord. The more, the more you allow yourself to become entrenched in a battle with Satan by, by standing in the doorway of sin more and more likely he is going to win and we're going to lose. We've got to, we have got to get out of that doorway of sin and be far, far from it. You know, as we know, Satan is a master deceiver. He'll, he'll make you question what the Lord says. And, and he'll, he'll make you question what his word teaches. You know, th- think of what he did to Eve. Think of what he, we, we're all familiar with, with what James chapter 4 says in verses 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. We cannot resist the devil if we are not drawing nigh to God. We cannot resist him if we're living in the doorway of sin. And that's, that's exactly where Asaph was. He was in the doorway of sin. But, thank the Lord, there is a turning point here. Alright, so number two is Asaph's change of focus. Asaph's change of focus and I, the first thing that I want you to see about this is Asaph realizes his potential sin would not only affect him, but, it, but those he influenced. All right, our, our sin, we have to understand, affects much more than just us. It infects, it, it infects everyone around us. Look at verses 15 and 16. I read 15 just a minute ago. It said, if I say, I will speak thus. So in other words... If, if I begin to speak about this struggle that I'm in, if I begin to talk about the sin that I'm, I'm ready to grab onto, look what he says here. Behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He was saying that, that my sin, because of the position that I'm in, could literally affect an entire generation of kids. You know, I, we may not be able to affect good or bad an entire generation, but I, I don't think that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to affect the people that we have, have, have had the opportunity to influence. And that starts in our homes. All right? we, we have got to understand and realize how we are influencing and affecting our kids. Our, our, our kids, our grandchildren, those that we, we come into contact with at work. Our sphere, our bubble of influence. But Asaph said here, this could affect an entire generation. And then look at what verse 16 says. When I thought to know this, when I realized what my sin could do, he says, it was too painful for me. And I think this is when he began to turn exactly where he needed to be. And maybe we need to get to that point tonight and say, look, if I don't get this right, if I don't get my focus back on the Lord, then my kids are going to go down the wrong path. And my, the, the people in this church that I, that I have an influence with could go down the wrong path. People at work that I'm supposed to have a testimony with, that I'm supposed to show Christ to, could, could they reject God and reject Jesus because of me? That, that, is, a, that is a heavy burden to, to bear, to, you know, to be swept off into eternity and, and go to heaven, which obviously is great. We, we need to make sure our salvation, we, we need to make sure of our salvation but I think one day when we get there, we're going to realize how many people we could have brought along with us that we didn't because of our behavior, because of our lack of a testimony, 
because of our lack of a witness. I mean, literally a generation of people are, are being affected because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing sometimes. And that's what, a, that's what Asaph began to see. When I thought to know this, it was, it was too painful for me. All right, now, the second thing here, entering the sanctuary of God gives great understanding. Entering the sanctuary of God gives great understanding. And this is our theme verse. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Asaph entered the holy place, the sanctuary. Quite literally, again, the presence of the very God. When we truly get into the presence of God, we, we begin to see things so clearly. We, we see our sins and our temptations for what they truly are, and we see the consequences. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says about, about this. His mind entered the eternity where God dwells as in a holy place. He left the world that we experience with our five senses for the things invisible. His heart gazed within the veil. He stood where the thrice holy God stands. Thus he shifted his point of view and apparent disorder resolved itself into harmony. The motions of the planets appear most discordant from this world, which itself is a planet. They appear progressive, retrograde, and standing still. But if we could fix our observatory in the sun, which is the center of the solar system, we should, we should perceive all the planets moving in perfect circle around the head of the great solar family. Then I understood their end. He had seen too little to be able to judge. A wider view changed his judgment. He saw with his mind's, enlightenment, his, his mind's enlightened eye the future of the wicked, and his soul was in debate no longer as to the happiness of, of their condition. No envy gnaws now at his heart, but a holy horror both of their impending doom and of their present guilt, that all fills his soul. He recoils from being dealt with in the same manner as the proud sinners whom just now he regarded with admiration. So his viewpoint absolutely turned 180 because he got in to the presence of God. He stood in the presence of, as, as Charles Spurgeon said, the thrice holy God. You know what? What an amazing privilege it is to be able to, to have that access to God. All right, he met, we mentioned the veil there. The veil, when, when Christ died and, and He said it is finished, the veil to the Holy of Holies in the temple was rent or torn from the bottom to the top or top to the bottom. And because of that, that that's, a, that's a symbol, that's a representation that we have direct access to the very throne of God. And no, the, the people of Israel did not have, they didn't have that. Only the, only the high priest once a year went into the Holy of Holies. But we, every single believer, have access to it. Amen. We can go to it at any moment. And when we do, when we truly do, we, things begin to happen. Things, God begins to move. We begin to see things that we, we can't see normally. And that's what happened to Asaph here. What, what an amazing thing. In, in, turn, in, in terms of our walk with God, there is no substitute for dwelling in the presence of God. We have to get there if we expect to have any kind of victory in our lives. Get into His presence. And then the third thing, and, and la lastly tonight, Asaph moving forward. Just wanna, I just want to look at three of Asaph's realizations here. 
and we'll, we'll, we'll be finished in just a few moments. Asaph's realizations. First of all, he saw temptation's true colors. He saw temptation's true colors. Look at verses 18 through 20 with me. It says this, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Now, that's interesting, because just a moment ago, he was saying, I'm about to slip. I'm about to fall. But now he sees what, what the, the sin of the world is, the temptation of the world is. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. Verse 19, How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, thou, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. So he was given a clear picture of, of what he was looking at before, which was very muddy, very distorted. Now it's crystal clear. That's, he, it's almost like he was saying, really, that's what I wanted? That's what I, that's what I was, was hoping for and wishing for? And he, he says, I don't want that. I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. And that's where we need to get. And then secondly, he experienced conviction through truth. He, he experienced conviction through truth. Look at verses 21 and 22. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. The reins are the, the inner being, are the seat of, of who we truly are. So, and I was pricked in my reins. He, he was moved heavily. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. You know, when we get into God's presence, we, we, have, we, we have nowhere to think and to look but what He just says there. It, we, we see how foolish the ways of man are. are. That we see how foolish our temptations and our sin is. I, again, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before Thee. And then the third thing, He had comfort. He had comfort. Not from the world He once saw, but from God. He had comfort. Not from the world he once saw, but from God. Let's look at the, the remaining portion of this chapter here. Verse 23 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You ever feel like that? My, our, our flesh just falls apart. Our, our hearts, our, you know, our physical hearts, we, we struggle. Our emotions, uh, they, they fail and, and they, they waver. But look what it says, but God is, my, is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Praise the Lord that He is our portion forever. Verse 27, for lo... They that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. And then verse 28, But it is good for me to draw near to God. Amen. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Can, are, are, are we of the right mindset tonight? Are we, are we saying that, verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God? Or are we, are we good to draw near to things that we ought not to be drawing near to? You know, until I went into the sanctuary of God, until I went into the sanctuary of God, how do we get there? How do we get into His presence? We, we just have to pursue and seek Him with our entire being, and He will be found. Now let me, I'm, I'm just going to conclude with this. I, I've, I've put a list of verses 
down at the bottom of your notes there, and I'm, and I'm not going to go through all of them tonight, but I put them there for your benefit. You know, if this is something that, that we need to improve upon, and I think we all should, should have a desire to improve upon this, is, is just to seek the Lord. It's that simple. All right, I'm gonna, I am going to read a couple of these verses to you just to kind of finalize everything tonight. But I, I challenge you, go, go through and look at all those verses that, that I've listed there. Maybe in your devotions this week, take, take a couple at a time and, and just study them a little bit. I think it'll be a great help to you in understanding how and why we should be seeking the Lord. But let me, let me just read a few and then I'll, I'll, I'll leave the rest to you to look at on your own time. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 29. Here's what the Bible says. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him, if thou shalt seek Him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. You know, we'll find God if we're giving it our all. If we're seeking Him with everything that we got, He's, he's going to show up. He's going he's to be there. And then skip down to 2 Chronicles 12 in verse 14. Now, here's kind of the opposite effect. It says this, and he, it's talking about King Rehoboam, which is Solomon's son. It says this, and he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. When we're doing evil, when we're living in sin, when we're falling over and over to the same sin, it's because we haven't prepared our heart to seek the Lord. It's, it's, it's just that simple. Proverbs 28 and verse 5, I'll skip down to that one. It says this, Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. And then one more, Isaiah 55 and verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. You know, there's only so many opportunities sometimes that He gives us to seek Him and to draw close to Him. Um, we, again, I said this this morning, we may, not, we may not have another breath. We're not guaranteed another breath. We, we could go home tonight and, and go to bed and not wake up in the morning. All right? We're not guaranteed another breath. And I think that's what the Lord is telling us there. If, if, you're, not, if you're not seeking me now while I'm here, you're going to be very disappointed when you don't have another opportunity. We have to seek the Lord when He is near, and we should be doing everything we can to draw near, to draw nigh to Him every single day.